Uh, today we are in, uh, or continuing our study and nearing the end here of Luke, uh, of the book of Luke. Uh, we are in chapter 22, so you can turn your Bibles there with us uh, as we look at, at Luke today. Uh, this season is a time, as Justin said, in which we, uh, most of the time we're thinking about Christmas as a time when Jesus came for Jesus' birth, the stable, the coming of the Messiah. And so we, we reflect back on Jesus' coming. We reflect back on Jesus coming as an infant, Jesus living the life uh, of humility, and Jesus dying on the cross for us and being resurrected. But Advent is, is Jesus coming back again. This is, he is coming. And so we, we don't just look back. Uh, we are not, not a people who just had one great story, but our story continues as we look forward to Jesus coming again. And the implications of that is rich. And so we look forward to even seeing that today in the scriptures as we look at Luke chapter 22. I'll be uh, in verse, uh, starting in verse 24. Uh, to remind you what, what happened in the lead up to this, Jesus is having, Jesus is having his last supper with his disciples. They are uh, taking of the wine and the bread, and they are receiving those, and Jesus is giving his last instructions to them. He's also pointing out that there is one among them who will betray him. And really, <laughs> if you look around, all of them would betray him. But there is one who is going to betray him to his death. And in that moment, they begin to look at each other but you know, kind of surprising, surprisingly, they don't say, is it you? You know what they say? Is it me? That's where we pick up the story today in verse 24. Mind you, the last thing we just heard them say was, is it me, right? A moment of real hum humility, of self-awareness, and then in verse 24, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Doesn't that seem ridiculous? <laughs> Jesus said to him, said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. Sounds like the mafia, doesn't it? But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you shall be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who is at the table, but I among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my Father conferred one to me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Really, if you stop for a minute and think about it, pride is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, and as you've exercised, or usually when you see other people exercising pride, you go, that's just silly. That doesn't make sense. It takes us a little while to find the pride in ourselves, though, doesn't it? 
Sometimes people have to tell us. From humility, is it me? I could see how it could be me. Is it me? To, you know, who's the greatest? In just a blink of an eye. It's that quick. But that's, that's the way we are. We kind of have a, a default to sin, uh, this particular sin. We can be doing fine, and then it's like it's hiding in the bushes, and all of a sudden it jumps out at us. We can be doing so well, and then pride, pride becomes our default. Uh, Megan's here with us today, so my heart's full. Uh, just came back from, amen, she just came back from Moody, uh, Moody Bible Institutes in Chicago, uh, and uh, well-known for, um, for its evangelism and training up ministers and, and le- Christian leaders. And one of, those, one of the presidents uh, of that university, of that school, is a guy named Harry Ironsides. Isn't that a great name? Harry Ironsides. It's not like he could sink a submarine or something, but he, he was the, uh, the president of this very uh, beloved school, and <laughs> apparently he struggled with this very same sin of pride. And so one of his faculty recommended that he go through the city and wear a sandwich board with scripture on it. You know what I'm talking about? And go through the city and begin shouting scripture throughout the city of Chicago, right? Shouting scripture through the streets of Chicago. thought that would be really helpful for him. So here he is going through town and he's screaming these scriptures at the loud, as loud as he could, dressed in a sandwich board. And so he does this and accomplishes it successfully and, and goes back. And as the story is told, he goes back to his office. He removes the board and he says, I'll bet there's not another man in town who would do that. Right? I mean, isn't that the way we are? Like, success. Who could it be me? You know, who's the greatest, really? That's, that's our default. Pride is so easy for us. But it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He's, he, he's, he's quoting about these Gentiles that lorded over them. These Gentiles are oppressors over them. They're lording it over them. But they love when you call them benefactor. When they call, when they call you, oh, you're holiness. Oh, you're so good. And they call themselves that. But they're not good at all. They lord it over them. This is the boss at work who wants the special, he wants to get employee of the month. Are you kidding me? You don't get, you don't get employee of the month when, you, when you're lording it over me. Pride is ridiculous. Uh, pride is that thing that says, I want to be powerful. I want to have a position. I want to have popularity. I want to look good. I want people to think well of my intelligence, well of my position at work. And why be proud? Why be proud? It's ridiculous. We we were created from dust. So Kevin Frankie just talked to me as I walked in. By the way, it's Kevin's birthday today, so be sure to, to love on him. So he said, are you excited about preaching today? And I said, no, not really. So what are you talking about? I said, I'm talking about pride. He goes, yeah. 
So when I go to the gym, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lifting weights, and I see James Frankie there, and we're lifting weights, and I have to be careful when he's there, because, you know, as you're lifting weights, there are like mirrors everywhere in the gym. So as you're lifting weights, you're, you're trying to let anybody see that you're it's looking pretty good. But it's ridiculous, isn't it? Because we're made from dust. I mean, I'm trying not to let anybody see that I am admiring myself. I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's embarrassing to even say, but I have to do this. I'm wearing the sandwich board. I'll go home and tell you how humble I am later, but. <laughs> but really, I mean, like, it's not going to last. I talked to my dad yesterday. I said, how you doing, Dad? I'm, I'm okay. What's wrong? I pinched a nerve on my back. How'd you do that, Dad? I sneezed. <laughs> like, that's coming, you know. It's already here, you know. So all these gains that I'm trying for now, you know, they can be gone. In fact, when I go to Kenya, I come back and I just feel like this. I'm like, oh, what, what did I do all that for? And pride is ridiculous because if you look around, you're like, actually, I'm like the weakest guy in the gym here. <laughs> what am I doing? We're dust. And we'll be dust again. How do these self-word looking glances compare to the gospel? How does God see us? What reason do we have to boast? From dust to dust. Am I glorious? Are you glorious? Well, not exactly. I am glorious, said one crackpot to the other. Why be proud? It's ridiculous. We're all sinners. Why be proud? So let's read between the lines in this story in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 22. Uh, they, someone is saying, apparently among the disciples, they're, they're making a competition of who's the greatest. The next few verses after these we just read, Jesus calls out specifically Peter and says to Peter, Satan desires to sift you, but I'm not going to let him do that. I'm going to preserve your faith so that you're going to be able to make it through this. Now, we'll read between the lines here for a second. Who do you think had the best argument and who's the greatest? I know, we don't know for sure, but I'm guessing Peter made a pretty strong case. Like they say, well, who's going to be the greatest? Now, mind you, this is on the, on the tales of Jesus saying he's going to leave them, that it's going to cost them his body, his spirit. He's going to die. And, they, and they're trying to figure out, well, who's next in line? It's ridiculous. Why would you talk like that? And so then I'm guessing Peter said something like, well, we're going to need another leader. <laughs> I, I think maybe you should maybe look this way. Think about this. I mean, uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, who did Jesus take with him? Me and these two guys. Uh, who is the one who spoke up and said, let's build the tabernacles? It's me. Hey, guys, y'all remember when we were in the boat? And all y'all were in the boat and Jesus was walking in the water? Who got out? Me. 
you, you remember, uh, you remember when the, the uh, remember when Jesus got baptized? I was in the water with him, baptizing him. That wasn't you, Peter, that's John the Baptist. Oh. Well, I was there. Whose mom did Jesus heal? My mom. And then the, the brothers would say, hold on, hold on. Peter, when you got out of the boat, didn't you sink? Peter, that was John the Baptist. Yeah. Peter, when you were on the Mount of Transfiguration, didn't Jesus yell at you because you wanted to uh, build up these tabernacles? All right, all right, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right? We're all sinners. We all mess up. Pride is ridiculous. We, we are in need of a Savior. We are not our own saviors. We are not righteous in and of ourselves. We need a righteous a righteousness applied to us. Why be proud? In fact, all that we have is a grace in itself. The position, the place, the, the, the finances we have, the cars we drive, all those things are a blessing of God. That, that, that you can read and write is a blessing of God. That you, you grew up with the family you did is a blessing of God. That he saved you out of, saved you out of the curb that you were leaning on. It's all a grace of God. Why be proud? It's ridiculous. And it looks ridiculous on us. And Jesus is saving us from our pride and giving us a, a divine perspective. Pride also says, I, I want it all now. It's impatient. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is going to be tempted three times by Satan. And in Matthew 4, the, the third temptation is this. Satan takes him up on a mountain and he has him survey the kingdoms of the world. And in doing so, he says, now you can have all of these. I'll, you can rule all of these. They are yours if you'll just bow the knee to me. Isn't this ridiculous? Who is he speaking to? The Son of God. Colossians tells us that he made all those kingdoms. They were, they were by him and for him and through him. And so Satan says, if you just bow the knee, well, right now Satan has rule and dominion in these places. And Jesus is going to reclaim that rule and dominion, and it's going to be a different kind of kingdom to come. But you know what? He's going to have, Jesus is going to have to wait. Jesus is going to have to wait. He's going to have to serve. He's going to have to wash disciples' feet. He's going to have to die on a cross. He's going to have to be beaten and mocked and shamed. He's going to have to go through all of this because it's not time yet. I, it, pride rushes things, tempts us to take shortcuts. Pride wants it all now. So we have to be patient. Now Jesus answers the trouble in men's souls. It says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to begin to measure greatness a different way. I want you to recognize that greatness is in service and humility. I want you to think about not the, not the gray-haired gentleman in our bunch 
in, in our little community that everyone reveres. But I want you to, to think of yourself as the one who doesn't sit at the, the head of the table, the child, the young person who is not respected. And I want you to not look around for that kind of respect. I just want you to serve. Servants have no position or authority. They can't get people to do what they want because they hold that power. And this is a great challenge for us. We are, in general, a middle, upper class kind of church. We've got a lot of people that fall in that, in that demographic. There are people who are managers and owners, and you have a great deal of power at your hands. And you need to be careful with that, brothers and sisters, because it's, it's a great temptation not to be looking at Jesus in those moments and to use the power you have. It is a great challenge to, be, to have a position but to act like a child. To have a position but to be a servant to others. Maybe we need a course on that. It's a huge challenge for us, but the challenge that Jesus gives us. But Jesus is the perfect example of that. He held all of the kingdom's glory and he gave it he gave it up. He, he, he limited himself for the sake of you and me to become a man, to become a man that's born as a baby. And he came to serve you and me. Washing his disciples' feet, and then they want to ask, how do you become the greatest? Well, do like I do, Jesus says. Wash people's feet. Crazy, crazy. So I was going to, to Thanksgiving, and I have one of my children who has a particular challenge sometimes in a Christmas in a Thanksgiving setting, and, and, I, and I'm just like, I, I really feel like my heart is messed up during vacations because I don't really know what to do with myself. Like, I know how to work. I don't always know how to be, do family things. So, you know, maybe some of you are like that, too. And so I said to my, one of my children, I said, look, we were just the two of us, I said, I know you feel like you don't know exactly what to do in this moment, but try this. I want you to think about everybody in the family, and I want you to serve them one way. You be creative and find one way to serve them during Thanksgiving. And this doesn't always happen, but they did what I said. <laughs> and it was a blessing. Washing and drying dishes, cleaning out a garage, cleaning out an attic. And where this person usually struggles, they were like the, they were like the hero of Thanksgiving. Service and humility. Everybody wasn't trying to figure out how to uh, get away from this person. They were looking for them. Service and humility. It's kind of like the kingdom set up for that kind of thing. Jesus answers in two parts. One, follow my example. Consider service and humility as, as the greatest thing. Back to this. You know, there, I, worked out, I worked out of two gyms. I worked out the one with mirrors, and then I did a, I, I had a, I worked out CrossFit, and CrossFit, there's no gym, there's no mirrors. They're just work and goals. So this is not bad over here, but I think this, the spiritual world is, Jesus is calling us to more of a CrossFit kind of experience if we wouldn't just look at mirrors all the time. If we could just do the work that God set out for us. 
and be happy with that. Second thing Jesus says, first, measure greatness by service and humility. Number two, God sees everything and a promotion's coming. There will be a day in which he will give honor, a unique kind of honor, a unique kind of authority. Philippians 2 begins with Jesus saying, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also, uh, Paul is saying, have this attitude in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who although he exists in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but humbled himself and became a servant. And, and he, he humbled himself and became a servant and he died. And he died this horrible death on a cross. And the second half of it says, and then God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue should confess in its right time. And so he says that for us too, for his followers. Yes, today is going to be harder if you are, you're giving your life in service and humility. You're, you're not going to get all the things that you might want to get otherwise. And by the way, look ridiculous doing it. But you're going to forego some of those things. They're going to either not be received at this time or they will be received at a future time. But God is going to lift us up. Not because we are worthy, because he is a God who gives grace. And as he welcomes kingdom people who've learned these lessons of service and humility, I wonder if we'll even care anymore, right? As we come to him, there is just rich blessing in the kingdom. Jesus recognized the work of the disciples. He threw them a bone. I mean, they just acted ridiculous. And Jesus says, but hold on, guys. I know y'all been with me through the temptations, through the struggles. They're about to go through some really bad times with them. And he says, but I, I'm still going to give you a place at the table. I'm still going to welcome you in. This is the grace of our Lord. Bathe in it. Love it because he is rich in his graces. So, brothers and sisters, let us Humbly serve our God. Let us humbly serve each other and leave the honor and the position and the authority to God. Jesus is coming back for his people. Happy Advent. Jesus is coming.